Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. This is episode two of the Social Fishing Podcast, and in today's episode, I am going to be talking to Chris Cottrell from the Social Fishing team. He's been a part of the team for a very long time and adds a wealth of knowledge. Now, in future episodes, Chris and I are actually going to be co-hosting this podcast, but with this first episode, what I did is I actually interviewed him and I made it a little bit different. I talked to Chris to find out more about him and about his favorite styles of fishing and how fishing started for him, his earliest fishing memories and why it is still so much of a passion for him. Then later on in the episode, we got talking about uh, the evolution of fishing techniques. That's what we've covered in this episode and we covered quite a lot and it was very interesting to hear him speak. Um, He talked about what fishing was like back when he started, how it all started, Um, you know, like set lines and the old forms of fishing and how it has changed so much to the lure fishing that we do today. Uh, We talk about how the mindset of fishing changed over the years, not only for him, but for the people around him and what influenced that. You know, was it the introduction of new laws and what effect did that have on people? We touch on things like that. We touched on the boom and the growth of lure fishing, how it all moved along and, and what it's like today. And Chris also talked about what he thinks is the way forward in the future in angling. And it's more of, he says, it's more of a mindset thing rather than a specific new lure. But listen on because he talks about it and it's very interesting to hear him say what he says. Um, We actually cover some very cool topics. Um, Towards the end, Chris also talks about his favorite style of fishing and his most memorable catch to date. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to say a big thank you to today's sponsor, which is Ignite. Now, you probably already know about Ignite lures because I love these lures and use them all of the time, especially when it comes to chasing big cod in dams. Ignite make the Cod Fury 220mm, which is designed specifically for chasing giant Murray cod. They are designed with incredible detail and come in a color range that matches what the cod feed on. That's like carp, redfin, and perch are just a few of the colors in their range. What I love about Ignite is they are designed in Australia, unlike many of the other big plastics and swim baits, which is designed for the American and European market. These are actually designed with cod in mind. You can learn more about Ignite at ignitelures.com.au. That's I-G-N-I-T-E-L-U-R-E-S.com.au. That's ignitelures.com.au. Now, keep an eye out because they have more models coming very, very soon. That's a massive, a massive thank you to Ignite for sponsoring this episode. And without further ado, let's jump in and have a chat with Chris. Welcome everybody to this episode. I'm very excited. I am joined by Chris Cottrell, mate. Thanks for joining me. No worries at all, mate. Good to be here. Yes, it is. Uh, Chris, if you don't already know, is a long-time member of the social fishing team. Mate, mm. you've helped out with most of the content we've created and yep, a lot yep. of the site. Uh, as I mentioned, Chris is going to be co-hosting episodes with me in the future, but this one in particular, I wanted to more touch on and talk about you and yourself so that my favorite subject honestly (laughs) here we go we've started already 
Yeah, so because I want to, so for people who don't know much about you, or yes. you know, we've we've created this content for so many years, and it's yes. none of it's been about ourselves. And in the prior episode, you know, Jack and I talked about social fishing and how it all started yeah, and how we absolutely. started fishing. But you've been fishing for a lot longer than both of us, and yes. basically, I want to base this uh, this episode on yourself mm. and just explaining more of all you know just we'll get talking about yourself and how you've got into fishing and then we're going to talk about a few other cool things so first of all um let's start because it's it's all fishing based i want you to tell me what's your earliest memory your fishing memory your earliest memory of fishing that's going back a long time my very earliest memory of me fishing was probably i think I was probably around about four years old and I was sitting on Bermagui Pier and I was chasing yellowtail and slimy mackerel with my old man. Um, that's probably my earliest. And that I can remember it's my earliest memory, period, not just fishing, period. It was my earliest. No so way. I, from, I think from, from that moment, it was absolutely ingrained in me that I was, um, I was a fishing addicted. So, yeah, my first ever memory... Full stop is me fishing. That kind of makes sense. So your passion is fishing. If that's your earliest memory, my very earliest memory of life can, in general. Jarv- Jarvis Walker wooden handle blue graphite rod. I believe is about a six footer. Um, I've actually got the photo of me holding that rod. No shirt, shorts. So what do you reckon, like five or six, or even younger? No, no. I reckon I was pushing four, if that. Yeah, right. My very first memory, and then um, yeah, fishing at Bermagui Pier, catching yellowtail and bucket loads of them. So. Nice. Yeah, nice. So, so how did fishing? Like, if that's a first, that's a first memory. But how did fishing become a part of, of your life? Like, obviously, you went like you went fishing once or twice with your dad. You know, it, it mm. could have gone along a totally different path. Do you know? How it become a part of your life is it because of your parents, because of your dad, or oh, my my family has been deep, uh, deep ingrained in fishing for years. My my father fished, uh, my uncles fished. We basically grew up every single holiday that we had. Uh, to my poor mother's dismay, revolved around fishing. It didn't matter where we were. We could we could have you know we'd go on holiday. We'd find a puddle and we'd fish in it. Um, so yeah. Every single holiday, everywhere we went. My my dad grew up fishing. My my uncle, who was a massive part in his life, his my dad's father didn't fish at all, but his uncle did, and he taught him how to fish the Murrumbidgee River, um, and he passed that on to me. And it slowly became more than just a hobby. It was an absolute addiction. And we weren't we weren't fishing. We were yabbying, getting bait. If you know, we're thinking how far away that creek over there got carp in it. We'll go chase carp. We'd do absolutely anything we would tie socks to our fishing rods and get the dogs to bite onto them and run off with a line we lived in mara there was no water around at all so, so you grew up in the country so it, it was like even though your memories from Bermagui, you were from the country so it was oh, like fresh abso- water absolutely yeah i did i did not like we, we grew up in mara so the closest thing to fishing we had was yabbing the front dam but even then like we'd be sitting there going right we catch 40 50 yabbies we'll stick them in a trough out the back and we'll Pester dad and pester mum take us down the river, which is you know, thirty odd k's away. The Bidgee. yeah. So and back then, and this is a massive, you know, a massive step. Back then, you know, the river didn't have the numbers it had now. You know, we caught yeah. one cod for a weekend. That was just a massive effort. So and it was still a thrill just to be out there. Fishing absolutely, the yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up with it. it. Was in my, it was in my blood. It's in my family's blood. You know, Piper's Reserve down at Wagga. That was named after my family. 
So, um, yeah, born and bred. So I don't think I had an option. I think I was just born into it. Nice, nice. And that's why it's uh, ingrained in you still now. Absolutely. So why now why? So we now, right, we'll talk about now. Why is fishing like so much of a passion for you? So why do you still have that passion now I, I think, as you grew up? Like why didn't you lose it? I think it was, um, don't get me wrong, I, I, I did go through a stage. When I, when I first got into fishing, uh, my my father and his grandfather, they're all, they're all bait fishermen. And um, I could have gone one or two ways. I love my hunting as well, obviously my fishing. Yeah. Um, but I got into the same way as my dad did, and we bait fished. And that was pretty mediocre for me, to be totally honest. I'm wrong. I got a thrill when catching a fish. That wasn't too bad. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the big turn in legislation came along, and it was a long time that they said, right, you know, Banning sat lines. And back my, my family, I know, I know you're probably looking at me going, here we're going to bring this up. Okay. No, 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 I was going to bring it up. It was one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, we fished the old, we, we used to fish the old way. I'm not, I'm not going not gonna to shy away from it. Yeah, you know, you know there, was, there was times when we used sat lines back when it was legal, it was four per person, and that's how we grew up and that's how we used to fish. Um, but everyone did it. Everyone did it. But no one knew any better. No, no, and, that, and that's the thing. So we got to a point when fisheries turned around, they said, listen, this isn't sustainable. You're gonna, you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to either grow and evolve, or yeah, that's it. So, you know, I, I joked, I joked to you guys that I'm, I used to be the old poacher from way back. Um, so we, we basically said, right, we can see, and I could see the effect it had on the fisheries back and back when I was younger. Um, it's the reason why the fish weren't there, and you know, generations before had basically pillaged. So. I was like, rightio, I've either got the job I can either chuck the rods down, give up bait fishing altogether, or I could try this newfangled lure casting. So, and I will, I will say big massive thank you to one of my friends, Rory Winter. Um, so yeah, he, he got me into it, and it, it took a lot of sessions casting lures. And um, sure enough, I got one on a lure, yeah, right. And that was it, mate. I was hooked. That I was, was like, change. nah, I said, all my bank accounts going towards this game now. So it, what, what year, like what, how old were you when that, was lures, it wasn't a thing, was it? No. So I was still using fishing. mono, straight mono, straight through the reel. So lure fishing, so you sort of were around, not saying you're old, but you I, were around <laughs> <laughs> when everyone set line, everyone bait fished and then lure fishing became a thing. Lure fishing was always around, but there was very, very, the, there was influential people who did it. Like, yeah, Rod Harrison. Rod Harrison was a massive yeah. one. He was back, you know, and um, even then, there was still lure fishing with big Abu Garcia reels and running 40-pound mono and 50-pound mono and we tr- no more trolling lures. But they're, they're, even then, in the Bidget, for example, there, there wasn't that population of Murray Cod that you could actually go out there and successfully yeah. lure fish with them. You know, it, it wasn't there. Um, my first ever fish out of the Bidgee on a lure was on a, a wee wart and it ended up being a redfin of all things out of the Sheena yeah, Reserve. Right. But even that, that yeah. was a, I, I, I can remember, I was about 11 or 12 and I hooked this thing. I was wondering why my line was going in the opposite direction to where I was winding. I got this fish in and I was just like, uh, okay, you know, bait fishing world is ruined for me now. So yeah. um, from then on, I was just like, right, next thing. Yeah, next so thing. that's what I was... Yeah, that's what I was going to say is we'll talk about, because what I want to talk about in this episode is the evolution of fishing mm. that we've sort of just touched on it there. Yep. But you come from that time when set lining was 
the only way to do it. But the one reason why it was probably the only option is because there were less fish, as you were saying. Abs- so absolutely, when was- you get way back, there was heaps of fish, hundred percent, and they set lined them all and they caught them all, and then that technique had to be kept kept used because. There was little fish around, so you couldn't sit there with one rod. You'd have to have the set lines to catch them. Absolutely. And I, I come from a fishing club. When I first got into fishing, um, we had a fishing club of, say, 60 members at my old... I'm not going to mention the name because they might get pillaged. But it was an old old club. And um, if we had 60 members out, and back in the day, it was four lines per person. And let's just say... If, and that's yeah. if people played the game. Literally, in, all honesty, in, in, in all honesty, no one ever did. No one ever yeah. sat there and put four set lines in. If you're in there doing that, you're generally doing the, you know, you're generally chucking a few extra. So you got 250 set lines. If for a whole weekend for our, our club along the Murrumbidgee section, just say down, um, down in Wanabadgery, Shandy area, if three cod were caught for the weekend. No. Yeah. Three? If three cod. And were they any size? Occasionally, they'd get a big one, um, but for the most part, if you're looking at a 50, 60, 70 centimetre cod, out of all those anglers, that was, that was legend status. So what was the majority of the bait? Were you tying on massive carp as bait, or were you using no, small you, baits? You, 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 still, you still couldn't, you, you, you couldn't use live fish. It was, still, right. it was still legal. You still had to use yabbies and grubs, but there were, don't be wrong, there was, that frac- there was that faction of people who, who did the wrong thing and you would use fin fish, but for the most part, it was... From so you ha- yeah your smaller baits, which means you had the opportunity to catch small fish, but you still didn't oh, catch them. No, yeah, the, limited. The, the average hook was around about ten o, so they counted out oh, your okay. yellow belly. Yeah, right. So, so they were still big baits. They were still big baits, but yeah, if there was if there was three cod uh, caught for the whole weekend between all the anglers, that was that was legend yeah, status, mate. Well, I didn't think it was that bad. It was it was. What are we talking? The eighties? No, no, no. 90s, we're talking like 90s? late nineties. Yeah. I, I can I can remember the, the point that really struck a chord with me is when they banned out and, and I could see I could see the effect. I, I remember one time I was and this was during when set lining was, was legal. I put in my four lines and um I went around and I checked them. And I'd never uh, you very, very rarely caught a cod. And sure enough, line's tight. I'm like, right, I've got a fish yeah. here. I pull this cod up. And he's around about 65 centimetres. And I get him in my kayak and I am absolutely chuffed. I'm like, I have finally got a cod on one of my lines. I pull him into my kayak and I'm looking at him. And I'm like, I have struggled for so long to try and get one of these fish. I'm like, I can't kill this thing. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do with this now? Like, and I'm like, you know, it, there's there's that few of them around now. I finally caught one. And what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to chuck it in my kayak. I'm supposed to beat it with a stick and then keep it. I was like, no, nah, I can't. So I took the hooks out of it, chucked it back in, to the absolute disgust of my family at the yeah. time. Anyway, um, and then after that, I remember going back to the club and um, I I actually had caught a yellow belly that trip on a lure, which I was absolutely chuffed about. And they handed me a bit of paper. This is one of the one of the high out club members. He goes, "I want you to sign this, Chris." So I'm like, "Oh, beauty, no worries." I started signing my name. I was like, "What is this for?" He goes, "They're um, they're banning set lining," and I went, "Right." So what's this for? He goes, "We're petitioning to keep it because it's hard enough to catch a cod now as it is, 
and now they want to take away our set lines. And at that moment, I was like, oh, I can see the irony in this. We're, the reason why we can't catch a cod is because we are absolutely pillaging the waterway that we are in. Yeah. And you are telling me you want to keep doing this to yeah. catch fish? It just seemed completely and how old were you? backwards. Oh, I would, I would have been, geez. 18, 20? No, no, not even that. Probably, I don't even want to say it, probably 15, 16. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I don't, and he goes, oh, we're young anglers. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want my generation signing up for what, more of this. So you saw it from the point of the fish, not the point of it's a boring way to fish. You actually saw it from the point 100%. of the fish. 100%. Like these poor buggers, and, I'm, and you think of a weekend, and this is, this was the week, this is what it was like every weekend. You go down the river, and you would see... Yeah. Every single snag would have a springer. Now I know these days you go down the you go down the river, you They're see a, you see a, you see a springer and you Sad. cut it off right. You're yeah. like that's illegal, and I do too, or I report them. But every single springer would them, have yeah. a silver tag with the angler's name yeah. and their address, and that's legitimate. And yeah. you could see it bouncing away. If it had a cot on it, you'd be sitting there going, "Well, we're allowed to do that." Yeah. And to see that fish, to pull that fish up into my kayak and go, you have survived, God knows, how many hooks, how many lines, and now you're sitting on my lap, and I'm, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't kill this fish. This poor bugger has been, through, and on God knows, you know, it was probably another three or four months, five months before that they, they, they canned it. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. No, nah, no way in the world. This fish is, he's a battler. So I unhooked him, chucked him back in. And then from then on, I was like, rightio, no worries all. I do not begrudge, and let me get this straight, I do not begrudge anyone a feed of fish. In fact, I... A feed of fish, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I actually endorse it. It's my personal opinion. I, I, don't, I don't like to keep Murray Cod. That's just my opinion. I don't like doing it. Yeah. But like I said, we pay our fishing license. If you want to keep a feed of fish, that's, that's fine with me. But it was, that, it was that turning point where I went, rightio, we have to start taking care of our waterway, otherwise there will not be a waterway left. So, you know, I've seen the river, and people go out there fishing now, and I work in a tackle shop, so I see a lot of anglers. Yeah. People go out there, oh, I had a miserable day, I caught three fish. <laughs> I'm like, mate, I have seen the river where you've gone fishing for a week, and they've caught three fish. Yeah, yeah. You go out there now, and you catch three fish for a day, and you whinge, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about it's about your expectations, isn't it? You got to appreciate what you do get because you can go out and catch two fish or one fish mm. and have the best day in the world because of the way that you look at the situation, or you can go out and look at it the other way and have a crappy day. Whereas it's just all in your mind, like hundred percent, and especially for those who have grown up and I know my generation, past generation, who have seen the river the way it was, yeah, which was. Not great. It was to catch a Murray cod. Period, was a good thing. Like you could fish for a week and not catch one, and I had. I'd fish for weeks and yeah, not yeah. caught a cod. These days, if I go down in the river and I don't catch a fish, I'll go. Ugh, I haven't yeah, caught yeah. a cod today. But you forget that, don't you? Because it's bloody oath you do. If yeah. I'd gone, if I'd gone, I remember. Well, you told me this week, and it was winter, and you still wanted to catch one, which is pretty common to not catch one yeah, in winter. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, that's a, that's the thing. Like, uh, I I can remember when you know. Places like Piper's Reserve, when they, they had massive stockings, even Collingully um, Fishing Club, they stocked it up there. When you know there was nothing, absolutely nothing, and then we, we started putting cod in, we started getting seen return, and 
you know, everyone started to jump on the bandwagon. You know, we've gone from a generation of catch and keep fishos to now, which is you know, which was the majority. That's that's what you did. You, you caught a fish, you kept it. You didn't it didn't go back. Mm. To now, the the common theme is you know catch and releasing. You know, ensuring the generations of the next. You know, the next. It's like ninety five percent. Absolutely. So while you're on that topic, the the reason your mind sh- mindset shifted when you were younger was more the fact that you had this creature that was so elusive that you're like, what am I going to kill it? And then there's less of them. So yours shifted from yourself experiencing the fish, right? Mm. Do you reckon... Okay, so so if you look back in history, there's tons and tons of fish way before us. Heaps and heaps of fish. They went to what? Bugger all population. Even now. Absolute bugger all. Even now, the the numbers that we have in the river are 10% 10%. of what... Pre-Europe- it was pre-European settlement. Yeah, you used to be able to go to the shanty hotel, which was my fishing club, back in the early 1900s. Mm. You could order what fish you wanted, and they would go down. No, no, it was part it. of the menu, and, you, and they would go down and catch it that fresh afternoon. fish that afternoon, and you'd come back and they'd cook it. Oh, that's madness. These days, you, even now, <laughs> it just spins me out. But no, um, 100%. Yeah, so so we've gone from this masses of fish, right? Then there's these huge killings of them because mm. they were food and they thought it was, you know, a never-ending supply of fish. Mm. They went to bugger all. And there was a period there, I, I really don't know, obviously you were on the very tail end of that period mm. where there was very little fish. Mm. And then do you reckon the mind shift of people changed right so what i want to get at is how how did the mindset change because did it change because fisheries enforced it and then they've studied it and go this is an issue we need to fix it and then there was a slow result of it and then everyone got in the bad wagon or do you think people because obviously not everyone thought the way you did most people get the fish kill it the killing Mm. it didn't hurt them they got it they killed it so do you think it was the fact that fisheries you know or peep and, and you know so fisheries have gone this is not right we need to do this we need to get rid of these and then everyone sort of went oh yeah oh yeah or do you reckon it's that the fisheries people have influenced the younger generation the older ones die off i'm not saying die off but they stop they, they're gone they die and because the younger ones are taught this new way then that's becoming the way forward because like because i would i i didn't grow up when you grew up and no. and i really was on the very tail set lines were still around when i was fishing mm. And I think I was still like nine or ten and they were gone, even younger. And then there was lures and then and this catch and release and it's huge now. Yep. So do you think it was the fact that the, the fisheries or just the, the mindset of... Because if someone's born now, right, and they grow up and they're 20 that's in all they 20 know. years' time, that's, all, that's they know. all they would know. No. Even like people who are like 15, 16 fishing yep. now, that's all they know. I was just sort of could understand that and you were kind of right in that middle part. I was in the middle part. There, there was people, and I've, I've seen the spectrum from people who, before my time, were fishing. There is those people who were the catch and keep, you know, the old Bob the Butcher fishers, yeah. who that's all they knew. Yeah. Laws changed, and you had you had the option of either evolving and going, righto, you can still keep a fish, you have to learn how to bait fish, and or abide you have to by learn, the laws. Or yep. abide by the laws and use a rod. Yep. Some people did. Heaps didn't. Heaps. There were so many. I know, personally, I know of half a dozen anglers and I caught, and they were, they are big cod anglers. Yeah. They have caught more meter cod than I can ever think of. Yeah. 
but they're never legitimate. Like, no. They're never, never on a rod. They're either on a springer or... Yeah. And they dead set just went... And they tried, and they went, no. Nah. So did they go no, and they agreed to the law, or they went, no, I'm going to do it my old way? No, no, they... they well, the thing is, fisheries did do a really, really good job, and, and to their credit, it turned off a lot of people. But not only that, there was a generation of people when these laws were passed, agreed with it and said, right, not only... You know, will we abide by your laws and we'll learn how to do it? Well, we will report absolutely anyone who is... So, yeah, right. And that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as, as you know, you see something down that's not... You see something down the river or lake and it's not quite right, you'll report it. It became harder for these old butcher fishermen to get away with it. So, those generally, those people who, who stuck by their set lines or stuck by their cages or gillnets, because let's face it, you know, if you're, if you're bad enough to do set lines and there was people out there who were doing a lot worse... They didn't really want to adapt. They, they're very, very hard-headed, and they gave yep. up. There was people, and I know of people who said, right, show us this new way how to fish, you know. And, uh, and there is people out there who have, you know, leaders in our industry who, have, who inspire people how to lure fish. You know, Rod Harrison's a great one. You know, we've got people like Bill Classen, and we've got, you know, great freshwater anglers out there like Rod McKenzie. Rod McKenzie came from, you know, from the time where you catch and keep cod as well. Yeah. You know, and he's got a great story about how he caught one of his very first big meter cod. And that was the last one he ever kept because he said the same thing. I can't, I can't do this. You can't, you know, a species that has been through, you know, years and decades of absolute punishment. But I know, you know, I can't, I can't keep doing this. So, so it, it's not a, because it, you know, tastes like rubbish. It's actually because there's an element inside people that are like, I care for this environment. 100%. And that's, yeah. a, and that's the thing that turned me oh, right off it because I sat there and I'm looking at this fish going, you know, you poor bugger. You know, this is natural recruitment too, the fish I caught. It was not stocked. Yeah. You've somehow managed to get from here to here and now I'm, there's some bloody ugly mug has pulled you in with an uh, un, unskilled set line and I've got you in the bottom of my boat and I'm looking yeah. at you going, well, right, what's next? And you're just going to die. Yeah. So I, I, I had the choice and it could have been, you know, I had the choice either to give up completely and no one in my family knew how to lure cast. Mm. We knew how to troll Tassie Devils at Talbingo Dan mm. for the odd trout. It's no totally one, no, I didn't. I had absolutely no one to look up to when it come to lure fishing for natives. There, there wasn't that, there wasn't that element around. So I just trial and error. And I, I had to sit there and I had to talk to people who were locals. I was still using mono on a three to five kg rod, and I was just bashing random places until I managed to find a lucky fish. And once I did, then. You know, it was trial and error for the better part of a decade before I come up with a consistent result. Um, and yeah, from then on, I, I was happy to share my knowledge with absolutely anyone who would listen. Because you went through the trial and error well, the, to the, learn. Well, the main thing is there wasn't anyone out there who who I could see, apart from when Rod McKenzie came out with Cod Almighty. Then that really changed the game. Like, this was a guy, even though there wasn't a great deal of tactic, the footage got me hooked. Yeah. But the way I saw it too was the more people I could get on the river doing the exact same thing that I was doing, mm. the less people who would go, well, this sucks anyway, so I might as well just go back to set line and poach. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the, and it's the way I see it now. The more ambassadors I have on the river doing the right thing, the more eyes I have out to protect the species I love the most. And I don't think it's a worry anymore. 
Like, it's not going to go backwards. Like, it, it, it's just going to no, keep rolling There forwards. is absolutely... I, I, I cannot see it with the following that we have in especially catch and release recreational anglers. There's yeah. no, I cannot see this fishery getting anything but better. But like I said, like, if I can... If I can encourage the next person, you know, and it only takes one fish, it doesn't matter if it's 50 pound or 50 centimetres or five centimetres. Yeah. You get an angler to hook onto a fish on a lure, yeah. you've, you've, you've got them just as much as you've got the fish. That's it. It's over and done with them. Sorry, mate. All your money is going to the tackle shop from <laughs> now on. Yeah. So, um, uh, I know the feeling. Yeah. So, and that, and that was the big thing for me. So, and it, and it took me a long time to get that first fish. I've, and I can still remember it, that first Murray Cod, I've still got it imprinted in my head. So well, tell, tell, well, before you tell me about it, I want to ask mm-hmm. you to tell me about it. But back to what we were talking about. So your answer to my question of do you think it was the fact that the oldies are disappearing and the young ones are learning? You think it's a mix of both? You I think, think a lot of them come across and went, yep, we'll I we think, agree? I think a lot of them did come across and they were extremely sceptical, especially because, you know, it was hard to catch, it was hard to catch a cod um, with bait. You'd have to put in a lot of bloody hours. Yeah. Um, I think what happened when... The, the big thing, the big bonus was when they did can set linings and, and licenses came into play too, people started to see the reward because fisheries, the dollar for dollar scheme, people started chucking fish in right. the waterways. Yeah. And then they got right out, okay, fair enough. You know, we can come out here and catch a fish now. Yeah. Uh, and fisheries did a fantastic job restocking waterways. They really, yeah. really did. So it's a, it's, a, it's a joint effort of some people coming across and then teaching their kids and then the kids just coming into it and now it's just... Now it's just fluid. It. Now it's just you can yeah. go out there and catch a fish and that knowledge is being passed on. And also we've got, we've got ambassadors for our sport out there. We've got more people now who enjoy lure fishing. Like, for example, social fishing. Now you can go and watch a thousand videos of us us catching fish. Whereabouts before, if you, there was no YouTube, no, there was there was you could read Freshwater Fishing Magazine and sit there and get a rough body. All right, I've got to cast at a rock or a log, right? Eh? And you'd yeah. walk down there. I'd walk down Wagga Beach and there's a rock, right? I reckon there I'll, is a there's rock. A, there's apparently there's a fish under that. So I'd sit there, but there was there was no guidance back then. Have you fished the rocks above from Wagga Beach? I have. There is there no, and that's it. You know, there was so much trial and error, and there's there was all those little factors which we didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have that guidance to go right here. You know, oh Chris, you probably shouldn't be casting that up there or over here, and you probably shouldn't be using an egg beater rod with. 15 pound mono and a you know 120 mil stump jumper on the end of it or something like that yeah you know it, it was all trial and error yeah you but know. the the fact of catch and release and looking after the waterways has gone an absolute huge long way it, back to that fish so let's go on on here about your yep. first murray cod on a lure okay i want to i want to make it perfectly clear when it comes down to lure casting i was 100 percent defiant i hated it i could Casting a lure. There was a point there where my friend Rory Winner, who I hated in my fishing club because that little bugger always beat me at every single fishing contest. I still reckon he rigged it. But anyway. You mean just personal fishing contests? I reckon contest his dad caught re- Oh, yeah. yeah. I reckon yeah. his dad caught it for him and gave him all the fish. And I hope you hear this, you little bugger. But anyway, he he was um, he, he got into casting lures uh, well before I did. And um, he was using the bait cast. I was using... The exact same combo, and if anyone ever seen the footage of me catching, I mean, 25 of Blaring Dam, I was using the exact same spin rod, 6,000 no. size spin rod. Yep. When you caught your first cod? Yep. No. I bought that off Mo Tackle for $99 when I was very, very young, and I had that, and it real fell apart straight after I caught that cod. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, I was using bait. a 6,000 size reel. Jeez. It, uh, so, obviously, it started as a bait setup. 
Yeah. And then it just, when you're like, oh, this lure thing, let's just try it on the only well, I was he, he told me I had to use a bait caster. And I was like, I tried it once and I ended up throwing the reel into the river. Yeah. That's how stubborn I was. I hated it. I think yeah. It was a stupid idea to use these overhead thingies. Anyway, so I was using a, um, a, green, a fluoro green and black codger. And I had 40 pound, 40 pound leader, 50 pound braid. And I was casting on a fly. You had braid back then? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fire line. Nice. Yep, yep, it, 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 yep. It was good. It, it was like rope back then. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I was casting. We were casting down the river, and we'd gone about two hundred meters, and Rory had already caught a seventy-six and a fifty-five, which was back then was amazing. The, it was a really good bite. I don't know what was happening, but anyway, and I cast this lure out, and I cranked it down, and whack! This big green flash come up. And by big back then, it was probably only about 57 minutes long. <laughs> um, and it fought, and I, you, I was over the moon. I was, jump, I was jumping up and down. I was like, yes! And he's like, it's a cod, mate. Get over it. I'm like, nah, this is unreal. I worked so hard. And then from that time on, I was just like, radio. how do I get better at this? What do I have to do? And I leached information off absolutely everyone. So back then it was mainly talking, hey, and reading, like you said, a couple of things here and there. Freshwater Fisher Magazine, mate, you waited every couple of months for that to come out and you digested every bit of information. I was going, I'd go back through to the black and white papers. I'd Anyone I could talk to, anyone, yeah. absolutely anyone I could talk to, I'd go, right, how, how do I catch cod? And like I said, it's only, it was the beginning so there wasn't a great deal out there. There wasn't a great deal of information. Yeah. Lure casting in general in Australia was in its infancy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, you know, we still got to catch up. But back then, there was there was nothing. So, so it was all trial and error. You just, 100%. You just tried stuff. Some stuff worked. You'd yep. change it up. Other oh, stuff worked. Down to knots, the leaders. Abs- you name it, that I had to change it. Like... That was not a casting outfit. That thing was better suited to bottom bashing for flathead. So you caught your, you caught this one on the set line when you were young, young. Yep, yep. Then after that, you've caught your first cod on the lure. Yep. What age are we at here? You reckon? Oh, there was a big gap. It was a monster of a gap. So I'd you're twenty odd now. Oh, oh no, no, no! I would have been just about eighteen. All right, so you've, you know, you're eighteen. You've just hit lures. So how did lure fishing evolve over the next decade? So what was the step? You've got. <clears throat> Was it just trial and error and then figuring out, right, our go-to, what was it? It was all hard bodies back then, wasn't it? It was spinnerbaits. Harpy uh, from uh, Mudgut Spinnerbaits was probably the one of the, uh, Harpy and Bassman were probably the first two that I can recall clearly that were always on the scene. Harpy yeah. was been, uh, he, he makes a great spinnerbait. And so when did he start? He started 2006, 2007. Mm. He started making them. Mm. So we're going back nearly 12 years, 13 mm. years. Yep. And so that makes you, what, like 20? Yeah. 20, yeah, 20 odd? No, I'm 30, 35 now. So. Yeah, so 22. So spinnerbaits were there. Yeah, spinnerbaits were there. Um, also Bassman, um, Glenn Casey had been pushing out Bassmans for a while. Um, but I was still using hard bodies. I was still using, you know, because that's what the big guys used. They used yeah. they used big stump jumpers and stuff like that. So And codgers were around. There was a few of those and orgies. And you know, so we started using stuff like that. I've still got timber orgies at home. Yeah. But, um, and was it a casting technique or a trolling technique? What did you guys do? Were you on the bank? Well, right was, we were just bank. So we were just casting. So yep. um, And we basically stumbled across how to cast lures. There was no one showing us. And it yep. was just repetition and failure, repetition and failure until we found some things worked and some things didn't. And that even came down to learning 
more so the behaviour of the fish. Yeah. Um, we learned that the more active fish will sit at the front of the logs rather than, you know, back when we used to be bait fishing or set lining, we'd go, oh, that's a mad big backwash. You put a line in there. Right. We never, we'd never even think about putting something at the front of the log, but behaviour of your, your, your more predominant active fish would sit at the front. For lure casting, that was the best place because you knew if you're going to run a lure past that, if that fish was hungry, if there was a fish in that vicinity, that's where he's going to so be sitting. So now, to us, that's common sense, right? But back then, you just... Big, slow, stumbled deep. Ac- yeah. You stumbled across 100%. that. 100%. And you're like, ooh, this works. And obviously, if someone's new to fishing now, like if you're just listening to this podcast now and you're like brand new to it, this is all new to you too. Yeah. But there's that much information out there now. You can get it all and oh. skip 10 years. Oh, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, I've, had, I've taken people out guiding and I've taken people out fishing and they're like, rightio, if we don't catch a fish, what are we going to learn? And I said, quite honestly, 12 years of trial and error. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and cram into your head in the next four and a half, five hours. Yeah. Because that's what I did. I sat there, I did this, failed, this, failed, this, failed. I'm like, righto. And I look at that and go, righto, well, I could have done this better. I could have used this lure. I could have gone lighter here. I could have gone heavier here. The fish is going to be here at this season or this season. And that's all it is. Learning, one, the behaviours of fish, is massively because, you know, even now, I, I'm still learning. Yeah. We, we, we know an unteenth amount when it comes to the behaviours of fish. Yeah, we're comes never going to gonna know. When it comes to lure fishing. And I'm still learning. And that's that's the thing. Like now, you can go on YouTube and go right. Winter t- winter cod fishing, straight up. Whereabouts yeah. me? I'm sitting there going, "What am I doing wrong? I caught a cod off this log yeah. in summertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Why isn't this working now? Yep. You know, um, you know, surface fishing. Geez, surface fishing is still in its infancy. You, you go back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna even peg for you for this. You know, did you did you? So do you reckon? Well, what do you reckon? Let's go. I can I can remember going back and telling you even surface fishing at blaring and you were like no nah, i don't believe you. i no. do not believe you well, no, there, there was a bloke never, never seen a photo there was a bloke sitting on the, the front and even, even me even there was a bloke sitting on the front of his boat and this was going back before even copeton was even a realization yeah and that's how early our our lure fishing in this country still is it's still it's still young you yeah. go back to like for example america they're eons in front of us but australia we're only just catching up. But that's still exciting. It makes it's, it exciting. It's, it's amazing the opportunities and possibilities we have for lure fishing in Australia. So when do you reckon, sur- let's talk about surface fishing. You, so you, you catch them on hard bodies, you work them out, and then was surface straight after? Or that was a long way after. And why did it happen? Was it bass and then someone decided to throw one of those, uh, what was it? Oh, what was I can it? recall. What, what was the, what am I thinking? Abugash jitterbugs yeah. and the Halco night, night crawlers crawl. were the first ones that ever Thank came you. out. Thank you. They were the two. I've got, I had one of each <clears> in my tackle box. I, I remember, the reason I got into the surface fishing, I remember watching a video from Rod Harrison and he's throwing a lure, as he calls them, a lure, and he's throwing an Abugash jitterbug, a big thing, and he's, he's walking around this big log and he's casting down, he goes, now this big cod could be cruising around anywhere, and I'm sitting there watching it half-hearted, going, oh yeah, it's the interest. <laughs> You're kidding me. I was like, it's that easy to catch cod, I've got to get a surface lure. <laughs> so I went out, and same thing. This was later. This later, was... Like, so after I, I finally got myself a bait gas, and I started getting the surface So lure. you were catching fish on hard body spinner baits, and then... Mostly was... hard bodies. I've always right. been a hard body yeah, junkie. Yeah, I know. As you know, you I... still I, don't I, catch it's, spinner it's, baits. It's my, it's my go-to thing. I do use spinner baits. I love spinner baits as an application for them, but I love me hard bodies. But yeah, I I am um, I'm chucking out um a hard body uh, surface surface lure and um 
It wasn't a very big cod. It was out of Batlow, actually. There was, yeah, a little, right. there was a little dam up there which was connected to a creek, and I chucked this lure out there, and it got engulfed by this beautiful black cod. Um, and after that, I'm like, nah, I've got to get into this. Yes. But there was nothing out there. The only thing was was the Halco Nightcrawlers, yeah. the Abagashi Bucks. There wasn't a 100mm surface lure out there. No, so when I started learning how to lure fish, surface fishing was already around small, but it was only those two lures. Yeah. I had one of each in my tackle. I got one from Kmart, and I thought I was the, the ant's pants. Yeah. Um, but now these days, you've got, you know, the only thing that stops us from going any bigger is literally the gear we're throwing it. But, you know, like I said, you know, we are... In fishing terms, we're only in our infancy here. We're only learning. And, you know, the more we figure out the behaviours of fish in this, in this country, which there is still a lot to learn, we'll start to adapt and there'll be new approaches. And, you know, we're starting to see swim bait scene come out. And, you know, mm. you know, there's seasons where these work as well and there'll be seasons where they don't. So, well... <laughs> That's what I wanted to talk. Like, so with that evolution, was there a massive point that you can remember where it just went like through the roof in terms of um, advancing in tactics and the gear and the techniques? Or was it just a very, has it just been a slow climb? Because I imagine, you know, you've got your hard bodies, right? Way mm. back. Well, even before you've got the, what are the, the big aeroplane spinners, right? Yeah, aeroplane And spinners. then slowly would have evolved to hard bodies, carved out of timber. Yep. And then, you know, you had the spinner baits just went boom. Yep. It seems to just be a slow every so many years, bang, 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 and then we hit this empowerment cod thing, yeah. and then you've got, uh, after that, you've hit this soft plastic thing, mm. and then it was, surface was in there too, and now it's like this swim bait thing. Yep. Was there one point where there was a big jump that you remember, or you reckon it's just been gradual the whole way? Yeah, absolutely, and I can nearly pinpoint it. It was when YouTube came along. Yeah, okay. Now, before that, if someone caught a cod, you know, the rumour mill got around, you know, someone, someone's got a fish, you know. Two months later in a magazine. It'd be in a magazine, freshwater fish magazine, and, and every single person, I can remember going like, you know, someone like Luke Pfeiffer or, you know, Rod McKenzie had to catch a fish, and I'd sit there and scan through the page, and goes, oh, that was cool, I believe Predator Tech. I've got to have that. Lure fishing has gone absolutely ballistic since YouTube or internet. Internet. Because... Say, social media and YouTube. Mate, you get someone like like the Granite Gorilla guys, using topwater frogs. And it goes, every, si every single bloke and his dog comes in like, we need, we need this. But we, 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 the thing is that what, what I'm hoping will happen, like, and over, over in the States, and I quite often use this a lot, all these techniques, all these lures are there, right? Yep. They're over there. Over here, we get a new product out, and we're like, it's, it's got to be, the, it's the new thing. It's going to catch all the fish, right? You know, and then, then it goes the next craze. Then people go, oh, this sucks. I can't catch, I can't <laughs> catch as many fish as it. <laughs> it, it is. It is building. It is great. What will happen, what I'm, what I'm predicting will happen, we, it's going to get to a point where I'm hoping the dust will settle and, you know, we're going to start figuring out, rightio, all these new products, okay, this one isn't the silver bullet. This isn't going to catch all the cod. For our species, For yeah. our species. We're going to see a higher level of angler. We're going to see a more well-rounded angler. We're going to see a, a level of anglers who are so adapted to reading how these fish behave. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a, you think it's not a gear or a lure or a technology thing. It's yeah. a using what's there already because yeah. it's already a high quality and using it very, very specifically and extremely keyed in to a certain... We are going to see a level of angler produced in Australia... I'm talking, you know, you look at your, your Kevin Van Dams 
overseas. You, you look at your guys like, uh, you know, the guys who produce high-end bass stuff who will sit there and they're not, they're not looking at their tackle box going, I only use soft plastics or I only use swim baits. They go, this time of year, I know the fish are going to be sitting there on the, getting ready to spawn. We need to use swim baits here. We need to use spinner baits here. I saw a really good instance of this, which has um, really keyed me into how much little we know about lure fishing. Um, Mike Iconelli, a fantastic bass angler. And this is where we're going to start seeing an evolve, evolution of anglers in Australia here. One mumbler. Nothing special about a mumbler. And yeah. in all honesty, if we went down the river and we chucked a mumbler out and we didn't catch a fish within about an hour, in water where we knew where the fish were, we'd go, right, they're not doing a mumbler, let's take them off. Chuck them in the tackle box. Yeah. He saw this, this area, he's like, there's fish here. Ties the mumbler on, chucks it out, winds back in. Rightio. They didn't like that. The fish saw that. Cuts the tail off it. Different profile, different shake. Chucks it back out there. Winds back in, doesn't work. Turns the plastic upside down. Tucks it back in a different profile, different shape, different movement all together. Brings it back in. Rightio. Cuts the tail in half. Sends it back out there. Bang, straight away. Bass. And he goes, that's what that fish wants. Now, I know just as well as you do, we wouldn't have the patience, but we'd just go, they don't want mumblers today. <laughs> and that's take it crazy off. And, take, to think, and, and yeah. take it off. But they are so keyed into the idiosyncrasies of those fish. And we are, and we are, and the exciting thing is we are only in the beginning of that now. Yeah, right. We are, we, we are only just understanding Jeez, how these fish bite. Depth, eh? But you look over there, that's what they do. They sit there and they, they nut out the most unteenth little thing in that lure and why that fish isn't responding. So do you reckon it's a, it's, it's going to be a mix, I guess, but do you think it's a, a a match the hatch thing, or do you think it's like a oh that looks interesting or nah? It's ooh, key into the fish's uh, yeah, actual behaviour, yeah, of what that fish wants, In whether it be a feeding, moment. whether it be a feeding, an aggression response. So it changes. So it can be a feeding thing or, it a, could or be an aggression. Exactly right, or and we don't know that yet. Inquisitive kind. We of thing. don't know that. We sit there, we chuck right, we chuck and top water around. We get a buff, and we don't hook up. Oh, well, they don't want top water today. They must want a spinnerbait. Whereabouts these guys will go, righto, he's interested. He doesn't want a paddler. Let's go down to a swim bait. Let's go down to a wake bait. Let's slow the retrieve, pick up the retrieve. This fish is interested. We don't know why. It's not committing to it. So they'll have 20 different surface lures in their kit. Mm. Whereabouts we're like, we chuck a paddler out there. Nah, they don't want surface. Chuck it away. Mm. But this is what we have these people from overseas, and this is what this level of... Um, expertise is going to bring to Australia. We're going to start seeing anglers come out now, which have evolved from, you know, we, and this is only a short period of time, we've gone from set lining to lure casting. We're going mm. to see people approach these fish, and we've got big tournaments like Nagambi, for example, or Moala Classic, or the Cod Nationals. We're going to help these people basically lift their game. And we're going to have these people who are going to nut these fish out. And there's already people out there who are doing it now who understand these idiosyncrasies. So do you reckon, though, like, that's a good point. But do you reckon, though, that you are going to catch more fish if you've got, say, you've got three logs on the river mm. and you cast. You go, no, nah, he doesn't want that. 
keep mm. like what you just explained. Mm. Do you think that will outfish me going? Covering I'm water. I'm going to fish 200 logs and find the hungry fish on a lure that's snag resistant, easy to use, sinks well, gets into the strike zone. Because that's why I love a spinnerbait. Yeah. Because you you know like a a mumbler may be way more realistic, or a soft plastic may mm. be way more realistic. But if it snags up, mm. it's not as versatile. So oh, it's not going to catch. 100. And, and, and so do you reckon with mm. cod though? My question with cod and mm. natives. Do you think? Do you think the covering water with a, a lure that works well is going to be overtaken by this keyed-in thing? Or do you think this keyed-in thing is like a comp thing or a lake thing where you've got empowerment fish where you can see them on the sounder and then you've got to try and get them to bite? I think, I think a greater understanding of the species you're chasing, and that's what it comes down to. It's got 100% not going, I'm going to flog this fish until it bites. Mm. But having a better understanding of that fish, yeah. of what its moods are seasonally, whether it's hungry or not, when it comes down to barometric pressure, when it comes yeah. down to water level, water oh, clarity. Agree. Yeah, I agree. That, and that's where the, the successful anglers come from. It's not sitting there going, oh, I'm going to sit there and flog this this till the fish comes out. It might be coming down to the fact going, rightio, this is good structure. There is a fish sitting there. He doesn't want to eat my lure because of, one, it's spawning. It doesn't want to chew. It's got only one thing on its mind, or it's you know it's going to do that. That could be that that could be just you know the fact you understand that and you move on to the next bit of water. Yeah, knowing there's a hungry fish there and knowing throwing your presentation in front of it and then going righto, He's not seeing hungry. it follow, and that's what, and seeing it follow and turn away. And most people sit there. Well, I'm just going to keep flogging the same lure. Yeah, but understanding going righto. So it's mixing the two sort 100%. of hundred percent. Yeah. You can sit there and, and don't get me wrong, covering water looking for hungry fish is a fantastic way, especially if you don't have time to sit there and try to nut out. The anglers who sit there who will pay attention and take note to that and go, right, oh, that fish has come out and he's followed my lure. He's gave it a bump, but my seven or eight presentations after that have come up nothing. Rather than going, stuff it, let's keep going, going, right, oh, why is that the case? And not only... Does that help you catch that fish in that situation, right? Say in this moment, you might spend another 10 minutes here. You may get him, mm. but that has you have learned a massive lesson for the future. 100%. So it's not just the one fish. Mm. It's the evolution of, right, wow, that worked. I've got a really good example. I went to Lake Hume and I heard these trout were absolutely on the chew and they were dead set hammering every single silver Tassie devil you could get. Yeah. Put in Bathanga Bridge. Trolled up at Lake Hume Tourist Park. That's where they were going to be going. That's where they had to be. Yeah. Silver bullet tassies. That's all they were taking. I trolled for a whole day. Nothing. <laughs> Not a feckin' biscuit. Thanks for that report, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, old bloke gets in. Puts in. Trolls about 200 metres. Eight pound trout. We saw him. Yes. And goes another 100 metres. Five pound trout. Did you go over? And I'm, I'm like, nah, no way. Anyway, I'm trolling beside him. I'm like 40 foot beside him. So I'm like, I'm not moving off my run. I might get one of his fish. Anyway, he pulls another trout, chucks in his boat, turns around. He's like, how you going, mate? I was like, hey, good. I said, um, nice fish. He goes, yeah, yeah, a good couple of fish. I said, what are you trolling? He goes, silver bullet tassies. He goes, what are you using? I said, silver bullet tassies. I said, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I said, I'm trolling the exact same run you are. He goes, you're trolling too slow. And I went, no, well, they're working right. He goes, the smelt in this dam, which you're trying to in, you know, personate, when they're chased by a trout, 
They don't just. Do, do, do. They're not. No, they they're don't. not bouncing along. They are sprinting. <laughs> yeah. I keyed my motor up an extra two knots. Fish, 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 no fish. Way. Exact same. How's that up. for a lesson? And that's what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. it's it's these little idiosyncrasies that these anglers have figured out already. This is where the next the next generation of anglers are going to yeah. come from. It's not the guys who are going out who are going to sit there and flog a, a plastic, the same plastic, day after day after day after day. Don't get me wrong, you'll catch cod. But it's the guys who learn and adapt, who sit there and go, right, this isn't working, I might change. And that's it. It might come down to just changing the plastic itself. Yeah. You know, I've seen guys who are going chase barrow who are using the six inch soft plastics, not doing any good. And they cut out a section of plastic, put it on the back of the tail, increase the action on the tail, catching barrow on the exact same plastic. All it does is just changing the look and the shape and the way that is retrieved. Mm. Rather than sitting there and vlogging a dead dog. So it's not, you reckon like the level and quality of gear and technology is that high now that the success is from knowledge. hundred percent. Knowledge, learning from people, doing things different. Having having the right gear definitely helps. It does, obviously, but it can only help you so much. There's a there's a, there's a saying that I re- I've coined and I've said it a thousand times I and I know exactly. <laughs> and, I and just it. because you've got shiny shoes doesn't mean you can dance. Oh yeah, mine's all the gear and no idea. And I get people coming in here, and I've, I've seen them, I've, I've sold them gear, I've sold them $350 rods, I've sold them $400 reels, and I've sold them every single lure, and unless you know what to do with that, you know, you've got no, you're, you're, you're still at square one. You can have yeah, yeah. all, or you can have, you can have shiny shoes. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and learn how to do ballroom dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we are blessed. We're in a country where we have some fantastic, fantastic gear. There's still more out there. Yeah. There's, you know, some of the stuff that's coming over from the States is just phenomenal. Yeah. And it will change. It will change lure fishing. And you think it's good now, it's going to get better. Yeah, but if you put that in the hands of someone who already knows what they're doing, that will help them more. But 100%. If you, it, if, you are, if you don't know what you're doing or someone has no idea, it's going to do jack. No, it'll do nothing. Exactly. Absolutely nothing. Like, you know, I can't play tennis. You hand me the best tennis <laughs> racket, you put me up against one of the, you know, John, you know Federer, I'm going to suck. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it comes down to those anglers who, you know, if they take the time to lure cast, you know, and pay attention, that's it. That's all you have to do. And that's how I learned. It wasn't because I sat there and I went, oh, this sucks, I'm going to give up. Every take fish. the opportunity. Every fish I caught, I wrote down absolutely Everything. I was methodical. Yeah, I did the same. I was, was like, best fun, eh? I would sit there and go river height. Yeah, clarity, clarity, cloud cover, pressure. How was the fish? How was the fish take? Time. Was it subtle? Was yes. it a hard take? How yes. many fish did I catch? How far did I walk? Yeah. What did I do? And I sat there and I could I could go over that book and go right. Yeah, I caught this fish at this area this time of year. And after about four years, I could go back through this and go, okay. That's where those fish are going to bite. They're not going to bite there. This is why. Yeah. This is the presentation. I reckon thousands of anglers. I'd, I'd love to get that, all the anglers who've done that in the country and bring that, consolidate all oh. that. How good would it be to look at? Like it'd just oh, I had be a bloke offer so me much hundreds of dollars for my book. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Ended up getting pinched. Yeah. But I, I coded all my... I was, such a, I was such a nerd. I coded all my fishing spots so no one knew exactly where they were. I, I nicknamed them all. Rat, oh, in your book. Yeah, rat's yeah. nest, hairpin, yeah. um, ugly log, ugly log uh, hole. I, I, I named a whole ton of them. So, yeah. It was... um. 
but that's that's the thing. If you're if you're a dedicated lure angler, you know, you want to get better. No, think think about it. Yeah. So I think it's a mixture of learning as much as you can from people who've walked Absolutely. the path before you, but also learning your own lessons on the water because 100%. it's experience on the water but you can't just have that on your own because it'll take 10 years no. so it's a mixture of getting as much information from talking to people learning reading watching but then tr- using that out in the water mm. and tweaking at it and learning your own way from that in the water that you fish and that's, I, that's why we that's why we started this. I, I i still i still um i've learned lessons from my old even my old the old poachers on the water you know I, I'd learned one of the best ever surface surface lessons from a guy who is probably one of the biggest poachers in, in Wagga. And he, it all came down to the migrations of swallows. Yeah, right. Funnily enough, he told me, he goes, you know, if you ever want to catch 50 or 60 pound cod, he goes, you go down to this section of the river which has extremely steep clay banks. And for the rest of the year, that, that, that bank didn't hold anything. It held nothing at all. Yeah. But when the swans, when the well, the swallows migrated there, yeah. they would nest in the sides of the hill, and the cod would come and travel. And they knew that the, the young birds would fall out of the holes and feed on them. So that time of year, yeah, they would chew. So that's when we'd chase them on surface. So I don't begrudge. I don't. I don't take any any information lightly. I'll, I'll absorb absolutely anything I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can always take small little factors out of absolutely anything. So yeah. That's, yeah, so I think, that's what I think. I think it's a key of learning while you're out in the water on your own and also, but just learn as much from other people as you can. 100%, 100%. There's no useless information. You can always take something out of it. And that's the way forward, I think. So before we finish up, yep. uh, just a quick question. You're, because we're going to be doing plenty of podcasts in the future and we're yep. going to be talking about topics just like what we've talked about tonight. Um, but just back to you and you as an angler, what's your one just... Real quick summary of your number one experience. Like, what's your favourite catch? Your number one catch to date. Give us a little quick story. Oh. Set the scene. Just pick one, or just one of. Doesn't have to one. be favourite. <laughs> I know there's a few favourites, but just probably keep... the, the, the my, my most the one thing that really keyed me in the the most memorable catch is uh it probably would be my eighty four on fly. <laughs> and I know it's not a massive. I didn't expect that one, but that that was that, that that's probably one. It's because it's probably damn leg coming down. It's because I, 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 I um, I'm very very new. I've only just started cod, cod on fly. I'm very I'm a, a literal novice. And there's a nice little pool where me and you went fishing down on the Lachlan one time. And um, I went to shake out about thirty foot of line. I was a little bit over overexcited. Well, and I you re- missed a part of the story. Part of the story was we were with people who, who know this spot and go, nah, you can't go down there. You've got to walk up and around the hill to get to the next pool. And we're walking, the three of us, where's Chris? Oh, he just cut across and went and fished, you know, where you can't walk, supposedly. We're up the top of the hill looking down. Oh, he's found a log down there. And here I keep going. Here he is waving out his line. So anyway, I see, I see this rapid and there's a, a giant log lay down and there's about, I, know, I thought, I honestly thought it was around about six to eight foot of water, a nice big deep hole. And I got really excited. And it was the first ever cast for the whole trip on fly. And I shook out about what I thought was about 30 foot of water. And I false cast this thing. Of, and it, no, it was about 15 foot of line. Yeah. I was over ambitious. And the lure landed, the fly landed on the water. And um, as I was stripping line out, because I absolutely stuffed the cast, the rod tip was shaking. And um, it must have been just enough movement on the fly. <laughs> I look up and there is this cod sitting underneath my fly and he's got eyes on it. He didn't take it down, so I 
gave it a short twitch, bang again, short twitch, bang again, short twitch. I'm like, just eat it, what I don't understand. And it wasn't until I looked at the edge of the water, it was only about two foot deep. The poor bugger couldn't drop his bum low enough to get underneath my fly. Anyway, sure enough, gave a bit of a wiggle on the rod tip, bang, this thing exploded. And my big heavy 10 weight felt like an absolute pool noodle on the end of this thing while he cartwheeled around this water. That's at the point I heard and come, <clears throat> it was the, only the bank was almost vertical. <laughs> you looked like a goat coming down and a hill. I was flying because I was like, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. First, Water going everywhere. I'm like, you are kidding. First cast of the whole trip um, for the fly and first fish caught and that's my PB. And that's, that's on probably, fly. On, my, on fly, yeah, on fly. That's my, that's that's the big one and that's probably, was a cracker. that's probably one of my most memorable ones. I've got others, but, you know, I've had, I've had, meter cod come up and swallow my fish beside a log while i'm fishing you know and i've got far too many that i could probably choose from but of late that's probably my most and, memorable and it's good that the most memorable isn't your biggest it's one that was a good experience because of a technique you tried and something new oh and it was but, on a home, home remember my first one on fly yeah wow. weren't we excited and it, it was, was only like a 60 centimeter cod, it was amazing but. and that and that's the thing and you know chase chasing that next that next high and that you know i and as you know, I love trying stupid stuff. Mm. You know, I'm pretty sure I've still got a lure at home, which I told you I was going to catch a cod, which was a blue water tuna lure. Tuna lure, yeah. Yeah. That. Um, but that fly, I actually, um, you know, my first ever my first ever trout cod on fly, I was chasing Murray cod. It came off a, a fly I tied myself. It was the ugliest looking no, thing it ever. It still is ugly. It still is ugly, but I caught my first fish on it, you know, and I, I love pushing the boundaries. And, yeah. and it's anglers who will strive to look outside the box who will be the, the, the next leaders in, in, in lure fishing industry? You know? Yeah. Now, if we get stuck in the same routine, using the same lures and the same you know, approach, we will never evolve. No, that's right. And so, you know, push your push boundaries. If you're a young angler, if you sit there and go, you know what, and people turn around and go, no, you can't catch a fish like that. You won't do that. Now, there was a time when me and you were fishing, you know, if someone told us, you know, you're going to go catch a Murray cod on soft plastic and a blaring. Well, I did. I laughed at them. Yeah, I was like, nah, you've got to use a spinnerbait or a hard body. But crazy. evolution of fishing goes on. And if you're not keeping up with it, you'll get left behind. Yeah, and it's gone a very long way. Man, that was, that was we've come to the end. We've run out of time. That was an action-packed <laughs> podcast. But we're going to have many more. We're going to have heaps of topics Absolutely. we're going to talk about in the future. I know a couple that you're really keen to talk about. Yep. That one I wanted to talk about a little bit about yourself and, and how you got into it. And, and then we did talk about the evolution of fishing techniques, which was... Which was cool. Thanks for your insight. It was, no, it was, it was actually, I actually learned a lot. I've, I've listened to you talk quite a lot in my damn life, but <laughs> I heard some new stuff then, which was really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for joining me. No, we're going to have plenty more. Uh, we're going to co-host plenty more in the future. But Absolutely. Thanks, Dave, Cody. Thanks, thanks Ben, mate.